0: good morning everybody great to see you and uh, welcome River Glen you guys uh, looking forward to getting outside today and enjoying some good weather it's gonna be great welcome over in Pewaukee and online and uh, here in Waukesha thank you so much for joining us uh, for uh, church I want to invite everybody to our next uh, welcome brunch coming up in two weeks both campuses 1030 to 1130 Uh, I think you'll really enjoy welcome brunch if you haven't been uh, to it you get one of these shirts we'll give you one of these shirts free, get a delicious brunch, you learn about our vision, our mission, our beliefs, you get your questions answered, you meet some, some, some staff, and I um, hope you get signed up uh, today. Today I want to wrap up this uh, series and talk with you about a, a, a difficult subject that affects all of our lives. If, if, if all of us were all together in one room, and I asked this question, how many of you have been uh, affected by uh, divorce uh, in, in your own life? Family member, a, a friend—you uh, know—raise your hands if, you, if you've been touched by a divorce. I think most, all hands, uh, almost all hands, I think would would probably um, go up. Uh, marriage is difficult, and sometimes it doesn't last. Gary Thomas is an author and speaker who's published some great books on marriage. He was speaking at a marriage retreat with five hundred couples, and he said to the uh, five hundred couples, he said, "I want you to stand up and remain standing if." Marriage has been easier uh, than you thought it would be. Remain standing. And uh, guess how many couples stayed standing? Five couples, yeah, out of 500. And so uh, 1% said it was easier than they thought. 99% it was more difficult than they thought going in. But uh, Gary said it's actually worse because I was signing books at the book table, and one of the couples came up to me and said, Gary, we have a confession to make. We were one of the couples that stayed standing. And Gary said, well, did you not mean it? And they said, oh, no, we meant it. We've only been married 10 days. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have no idea, you know? Remember remember those first 10 days if you're married? I remember our first 10 days. That was, that was great. We got married in the Chicago area at, at Marnie's uh, home church, surrounded by friends and family, just an outpouring of love and celebration. Spent the first night at a hotel downtown Chicago. They had a honeymoon suite with... Fresh flowers, roses, chocolate-covered strawberries waiting for us. And the next day, we left for a week of honeymoon in in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. The first 10 days, I mean, it's hard to imagine there could ever be a fight or a problem in marriage. And then, I think it was probably day 11, we we moved into a small one-bedroom apartment in Kentucky. And we discovered that we shared that space with a colony of roaches, yeah, no more uh, honeymoon sweet, no more strawberries. We battled roaches and problems and challenges just continued. Every marriage goes through this. We've, we've been talking about this throughout the series that we bring baggage into marriage and marriage also has a way of adding more bags and stress and problems, uh, dirty dirty dishes and career challenges and time pressures, fighting about who watches ESPN or who watches HGTV navigating family problems, emotional issues, health struggles and things that you cannot even imagine right now. I saw a statistic the other day that said that marital satisfaction drops by 42% when you have your first child. Now I love being a being a, a father. It's a highlight in my life. But I'm not surprised by those uh, statistics. There can be sleep deprivation Postpartum uh, emotions. We were keeping our three-year-old granddaughter this weekend, by the way, and so I, I can relate to the uh, sleep deprivation. <laughs> um, having a child can uh, bring out fears, anxieties, and more responsibility. And maybe you had in-laws, an aging parent that you need to take care of, and maybe you had a blended family situation. And the bags get heavy, and maybe you're not connecting in marriage like you used to. Marriage is hard. That's why if you go to a restaurant and you see a couple laughing and talking and listening and touching, what do you conclude? They're not married, right? (laughs) And if you see a couple, you know, bored, you know, staring off in space, you know, checking their phone, what do you think? Probably celebrating their 30th anniversary, (laughs) right? Yeah, marriage is difficult. That's why uh, 20% of marriages don't make it five years. Think about that. And there's a newer trend called the graying of divorce. The divorce rate for people over the age of 50 is now 28%. For the first uh, time, we have uh, uh, more people over the age of 50 who are divorced than widowed. About half of all marriages end in divorce. And 100% of marriages will have a a, a difficult season of struggle at at some point. So today, I want to talk with you about the, the cost of divorce prevention of divorce, and then recovery from divorce based on scripture and just what I've observed over the years working as a, as a pastor. And here's my challenge for, for all of us today. Don't give up on marriage. Don't give up. As, as followers of Jesus, we should be known for our endurance and uh, perseverance and determination because that's the difference that faith makes. I mean, we've got faith that God is working in ways that we may not see or understand. And this faith gives us confidence and courage to work through those obstacles and challenges in marriage and experience greater levels of love and joy and, and peace. But before we get into this, I want to acknowledge those of you who are here who've been divorced. And you know, you hear this challenge not to give up a marriage and you're bracing yourself. But I want you to know I'm so glad that you're with us uh, uh, today. Um, I want you to know that we love you. There's nobody in, in the room or online. Uh, that's better than you or more deserving than you of god's grace if you're a student here and your parents are divorcing god god does not think any less of you none of us are defined by what we've done or what's been done uh, to us we're defined by our identity uh that, that that comes from what's been done for us what's been done for us by jesus christ on the cross jesus embraces you and we embrace you and i know every story is not a simple story it it only takes two people to get married sometimes it just takes one to get divorced and all of us are in the same boat all of us depend on god's grace and so there is no room for self-righteousness i'm going to talk more later on about recovery from divorce but there are probably many marriages represented in this room that need an encouragement today to not give up the couple that maybe maybe you're sitting right next to each other But feel miles apart. The couple that maybe you've given up on your marriage. You're going to stay married. You're going to keep your vows, but you're not happy about it. And your heart is not in it. And the person or or a couple who plans or hopes to get married, someday this will prepare you. And the couple who have a good marriage, but you want to sustain it and maximize it. And really, these principles we're going to talk about apply to all our relationships. And so married, divorced, uh, single, today is for everyone take a look at this verse from hebrews chapter 13 it says marriage should be honored by all look, notice that word all i mean god wants everybody no matter your relationship status to encourage and support marriage and all of us are going to have the opportunity to counsel somebody in a hurting uh, situation one reason god wants us to not give up on marriage is is simply because god hates divorce you say ben how do you know that god hates divorce that's a uh, hate is a strong word. Are you really sure that God hates divorce? Um, Malachi chapter two, verse sixteen. I hate uh, divorce. And so there's there's that. And I know that's probably a, a, a difficult verse for some to hear. But understand that God loves divorced people, and and that's the reason why God hates divorce. Is because he he loves you. Some 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 of you. Um, who understand this verse the most are those that have gone through a painful uh, divorce. You get it. Uh, you get this verse. Like a father with a child who has cancer hates the, the cancer. You know the damage that gets done and the pain that is caused. One reason why God hates a divorce is because it tears apart something that he has joined together. That he has fused together. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, God's plan was seen from the beginning of creation when he made us male and female this explains why a man leaves his father and mother. We talked about how the word lead, that's a strong word. You leave uh, physically, uh, relationally, financially. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, since they're no longer two but one. Let no one separate them, for God has joined them uh, together. That's the key right there. God joins you and weaves you together. It's like weaving two fabrics. If you weave cotton and polyester into a poly-cotton blend, and you try to separate that, it's going to be a mess. God weaves and fuses us together in marriage. And so it's not just the bride and the groom. God is involved in the marriage covenant. God supernaturally makes the two of you one. You know, I love uh, in weddings how couples will symbolize the marriage union Uh, They'll they'll use a unity candle, they'll use uh, sand, they'll mix sand, they'll use uh, rope, and uh, we've been together. Uh, A few years ago, I had a couple that did a chemical reaction. I loved it. I thought this was awesome. They took two chemicals that that really don't do anything separately, but when you combine them together, it turns into thermite, and when you ignite thermite, it turns into iron. And so during the ceremony, right over there in the student center, uh, they mix these chemicals, and ignited them, and the pictures don't do justice. I mean, it was a bigger explosion than I think any of us <laughs> expected. And fortunately, it did not trigger the smoke alarm. And they created, check that out, this iron cross to symbolize the, the marriage union uh, God uh, establishes. Isn't that cool? It was, it was um, a little dangerous, okay? Um, but spectacular. And marriage is spectacular. Because God fuses two people together and makes you one. And God says, don't tear apart what I have fused uh, together. But, but sometimes people just jump into marriage. They rush into marriage. And I've seen this as a pastor. And I wonder, how many married couples do the same thing with divorce? Couples get tired of you know carrying the bags, the heavy, the heavy bags. And they think, anything is better than this. And they, they jump into divorce without praying seriously, without talking to a friend, with, without reading a book together, without meeting with a counselor or therapist. They, just, they don't really consider the cost of divorce, but there's an economic cost, not just legal fees. Divorce impacts standard of living, especially for women. In a recent study, they found that the average woman over the age of 50 experiences a 40 uh, a 45% drop in standard of living compared to a 21% drop for, for men. There are emotional costs beyond what, what most people anticipate or control. You think, you know, if we just end this, we'll feel better, but you don't always. It, it, it's not always better. One man talked about his divorce with tears in his eyes, and he said, I deal with intense loneliness. He said, we liked the same TV shows. We ate together. We loved our dog together and had a history that no other person can replace. Even when things were at their worst, we actually still had each other. He said, please tell the people that it might be horrible right now, but fight through it. Get help. Give it one more year or two or three and trust that God will help you rediscover what you once had because what you end up losing is unimaginable. And then there are family costs. Sometimes parents think that, you know, kids will do better with a a happier parent. And that's true. But sometimes parents think that it would be better if we get divorced because, you know, we're not happy. And the kids will do better. But the research actually shows the opposite. Except for things like violence and abuse. Kids do better when parents stay together, even when it's difficult. Our family is uh, far from perfect. Our kids are all adults now. And... Um, week before last, we got together for a dinner, and then we played some games after dinner. We started playing this game, Boggle. Anybody ever play this game, Boggle, word game? And you keep score, and it started getting competitive. You know, we started arguing, is that really a word? And we almost started World War III right there at family um, game night. Then we played another game where you, uh, one, of, one of them th- brought this game where you share stories and memories. And we, I mean, we laughed so hard together. My face hurt. Um, Afterward, I'm grateful for the time together we have as a family. I'm grateful Marnie and I didn't give up uh, during a difficult um, season. I'm grateful that I I didn't do something foolish or or, or selfish because I don't want to miss out on any of it. Even if it gets difficult, if you stay together, it's better for the kids and family and grandkids. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just trying to make the point that, that people think that divorce will free you from your problems. And very often, divorce creates more problems and and baggage. And so because the cost of divorce is so high, if you're engaged or married or remarried or struggling in your marriage, what can you do to prevent divorce from happening or happening again? I've got three challenges for you. First and foremost, put Jesus first. Put Jesus first in your life and in your marriage. Focus uh, your eyes on Jesus. I believe that much of the disappointment and disillusionment that that you and I can experience in marriage comes when we look to our spouse to do for us what only Jesus can do. And, And so if you say to your spouse, I need you to be my strength. I need you to be my source of joy. I need you to meet my needs. I need you to give me Purpose. I need you to be the wind beneath my wings. Here's what we're saying: I need you to be my savior, and that's not their job. That puts pressure on them, and it sets you up for disappointment and disillusionment. Now, I can understand why we, we, we might struggle with this because you know, in our in our culture, we have uh, music and movies and, and television that kind of disciples us to think this way that we'll be happy. And fulfilled if we can find that one person who will who will make us come alive and the reason we're drawn to that that thinking is because there's some truth to it but it's not found in a romantic relationship it's found in a personal relationship with jesus christ that's what jesus wants to do for us and when those rom- romantic feelings you know fade or come and go and they will in marriage they, they remind us that our hope and fulfillment is in Jesus. Think about it this way. So many marriages and relationships uh, go wrong because we we go into the relationship like a drain. And we want, we want the other person to pour into us and to, to fill us up. But when you put Jesus first, he makes you a fountain. And you've got this love and joy and peace flowing inside of you. Uh, bubbling up and it makes you less demanding on your spouse and other people and more content as an individual. And when you come into relationships as a fountain, you can bless and serve and fill your spouse and other people. That's why in John chapter 4, Jesus had this conversation with a woman at the well who had been married five times. And the man she was living with was not her husband. And Jesus said, hey, hey, I'm what you're looking for. I'm living water, and when you drink from me, uh, you'll never be thirsty again. So put Jesus first and stop trying to get from your spouse what only Jesus can give um, to you. Make it your goal in in your marriage to uh, do the three C's, to celebrate Jesus with us on the weekends publicly, and then celebrate him privately by reading and reflecting on scripture. Connect with other people in one of our groups contribute to the mission of Jesus, maybe by volunteering as a, as a couple. Put Jesus first. Here's a second way to prevent divorce. Commit to your marriage and lock the exit door, because marriage is based on commitment, not feelings. Many, many couples say, you know, we, uh, we, just don't, we just don't love each other anymore. We fell in love, and then we fell out of love, and there's nothing that we can do about it. But feelings are not good decision makers. If I based decisions in my life, on feelings, I would, I would never exercise. I don't feel like exercising. I would, I would rarely work, go to work. I would overspend. I would never apologize or, or forgive other people. I don't feel like forgiving. I would eat um, peanut butter at every, every meal. Uh, because feelings are terrible decision makers. If my wife and I based decisions on feelings, we would have divorced many years ago. I've heard it said this way. I like this. Get, getting a divorce because you fell out of love is like selling your car because it ran out of gas. Why don't you fill it up again? In fact, in the Bible, when you read the word love, it's not, it's not talking about an ooey-gooey feeling. It's talking about a verb. It's talking about an, an action. And if you would start to love your spouse and commit to loving actions, those romantic feelings might return. Now, there are some exceptions in the Bible if there is adultery or severe abuse, separation, or divorce are permitted. But 80% of those who get divorced say they regret it and they would remarry their spouse if given the opportunity. They just bailed out uh, too soon. You need to commit and lock uh, the exit door. And then final way to prevent divorce, eliminate other temptations. The Bible says that all of us have a sin nature, and are vulnerable to temptation. We never outgrow temptation. Job put it this way: "I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young uh, woman." Job didn't even trust his eyes. He he made a covenant with his eyes. Proverbs chapter five talks about uh, the temptation to lust after a woman, and it says, "Do not go near the door of her house." Doesn't say, "Don't go in the door." Don't even go near it. You go near that boundary, emotions can kick in and and they can override your intellect. I mean, I've known people much smarter than me that have crossed that line and ruined uh, their marriage. You might not uh, believe this, but here's one of the secrets for restoring and increasing intimacy in in marriage. Eliminate all other temptations and focus exclusively on. On each other. And I'm not just talking about physical intimacy, I'm talking about emotional intimacy. Sometimes people will say something like, Ben, there's this really sweet guy at the, at the gym, and uh, he's not really my type. I'm not attracted to him, but we confide in each other about our marriage problems, and it's totally, it's totally okay because it's, it's so helpful to talk and, and get another man's uh, point of, uh, of view. But every affair starts with a friendship, and you might open the door to temptation. Be careful about looking outside your marriage for emotional um, intimacy. Make sure that your spouse is your best friend and set up boundaries to eliminate temptations and protect your marriage. Now, as I said earlier, I want to speak directly uh, to those of you who who, who are uh, who ha- divorced about recovery. Maybe you went through a divorce recently, or you know someone that uh, did. My hope and prayer today is that you would not feel judged, but that you would allow uh, God to bring some healing into your heart. I came across some advice from a couple that lead a ministry called Divorce Care at another church, which is a great ministry. In fact, we have a Divorce Care ministry at our church, and I would encourage you to go through it. They're getting ready to start another session of it in August, and you can find out more about it at, their, uh, w- at our website. I thought their advice was so helpful that I want to share it with you. Here's the first thing they said. They said, use this time to begin, renew, or strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you go through a divorce, that's a season when you can feel like a broken person. But God does some of his best work in broken people never a better time to draw close to God never a better time to start reading the Bible and allowing God to comfort you and speak into your life second they said it's going to get better they said the first night of class you can see people are sad some are bitter and angry many of them are lonely they said by the third or fourth week there's laughter people start um, talking and 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 making plans to go to church Together, people start forming friendships. People start forming small groups. And they said as sad and angry and bitter and betrayed and as lonely as you may feel right now. When you turn to Jesus Christ, it's going to get better. Third, they said you got to find somebody else to help. They said when you're going through a divorce, it's hard to think about another person. But if you will find another person to help, it will help you. They said it's a great time to start serving in church. Use this time to help lead another person to faith in Jesus, allow God to turn your pain into purpose. And then last, they said, you need to self-reflect. Too many couples skip this step, and they just rush into another relationship because, you know, I want to feel loved again. My confidence is low, and this person likes me, and and that makes me feel so good. They said, don't rush. Take a year to self-reflect. Reflect on what was my part in this failed marriage. Too many couples just skip over that, and that's why 75% of second marriages end in divorce. 80% of third marriages end in divorce because they never took time to reflect and figure out, what does God want to do in my life as a result of this situation? And they said, if you feel like you're alone, uh, and maybe some of you feel that way right now, they said, you're not alone. Jesus Christ is with you, one of, the, one of the takeaways I think from her story for all of us I mean, regardless uh, of whether you're married, divorced, or, or 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 single, whatever your circumstances, nothing is impossible with God. I mean, you might be going through a painful, difficult circumstance right now, nothing is impossible with God. Start praying for God to do a miracle in your life, in your circumstance. In your marriage, take a look at this great verse and promise uh, for all of us from uh, Galatians chapter 6. So don't get tired of doing what, what is good. Uh, don't get discouraged and give up. Why? For we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate uh, time. Whatever your situation, whatever your relationship uh, status right now, maybe you're wondering, why did this happen to me? Why did I get put, put in this hard situation? You know, why do I have to restrain my anger and respond? in a gentle way. Why do I have to be patient? Why do I have to forgive? Why do I have to bring the kids to, to church? Why, why do I, uh, I have to be the one who is, who is, is doing, doing what is good? Paul says, uh, don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged. And then look at this. He says, don't give up. Don't give up. He says, for you will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. One day you're going to look back And you're going to say, look at what God did. Look at the blessing that God poured into my kids, poured into my family, poured into my marriage, poured into my grandkids, poured into my life. So don't give up. Keep doing good and look forward to the day when God is going to bless and reward your life. And if you need some prayer uh, today, we've got some people that will be down front at the corners. And after the service, just come down front. We've got some people that would... Uh, Be glad to pray with you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your promise to heal us and restore us and forgive us. I pray for those who have gone through divorce and struggle with shame and failure and bitterness. God, I pray that you would relieve that. And I pray for couples who have a good marriage, but sometimes it just feels like they're drifting apart a little bit not connecting, I pray that they can have a great conversation and hit the reset button and get back on track. They would encourage each other and they would lift each other up and pray for each other and that you would work in their marriage. And God, I especially pray for those couples that feel like there's no hope. God, I pray that they would believe in the power of both of them turning to you and praying and asking for you to work a miracle in their marriage and not giving up god we've seen so many marriages get turned around by your power and i pray that you would do that for them god what you've joined together let no one separate and we pray that in jesus name amen